you guys give it a huge hand and a welcome to Jennifer Hatlin. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Daddy. Okay, for a few minutes, I stared at almost all of you. You thought I was sitting up here talking to those two children, and I'm like, no. They're going to stare at me for the next hour and whatever. I'm going to stare at them for a minute or two. <laughs> just so you know. So my day started off this morning. Okay, just personal stories, a little bit of vulnerability, which will become a lot more vulnerability, which will become probably things you need to sozo over. And I bless you to do it. Go for it. Um, but this morning I put on some... Okay, it's not my worship playlist. It's Catherine's worship playlist because hers is, like, really cool. And uh, so I put it on, and I like to do what I call the God of the shuffle. Right? Shuffle! Holy Spirit, speak. Oh, no, I don't like that one. No, I don't like that one. No, that one didn't touch me either. Mm. But this morning I trusted the God of the shuffle. And the first thing that came up, and this was just a sweet thing, because I was listening to Daniel Bash to read Isaiah 61. And I told my husband, I wonder what version he was reading in, because I just wanted to find the one he was reading. Because you know how sometimes on their podcasts and all this stuff they do, scriptures as well. So we're going to start with this today, Isaiah 61. And the board didn't know this, so you already know this. I just have to read it because I didn't memorize it. The mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me. This is the Passion Translation because I realize cool preachers preach from the Passion. So I want to be a cool preacher too. But I study in New American Standard for those of you who would be offended by that. Because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives, you are free. And to tell prisoners, be free from your darkness I am sent. Do you get that, English teachers? The verb usage in that sentence, I am sent to announce a new season. Okay, if you haven't heard that yet, let's just do it again, right? And what's so funny is when you sort of have something prepared and you hear other preachers preach it, I have the tendency to go, they stole my stuff! And Holy Spirit's go, your stuff, honey, honey, yours? Okay, um, okay, cool, yeah. So, anyway, I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace and a time of God's recompense on his enemies to comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes, the oil of bliss, or those wineskins, right? You know how to make oil? You crush stuff. You ready to be pressed just a little bit because of what's going to come? And the mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Because of this, they will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness, planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory. They will restore ruins from long ago and rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of past generations. 
Why are we alive? Why are you alive? Our calling, our ministry has shifted and changed so much in the past few years. And some of our ministry has become the ministry of do not do what we did. I remember a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, Papa Jack looking across from my husband and saying, son, not the thing he's already told you three times this weekend. He said, my caution to you is that the anointing came on one so strongly, so young. I'm sitting beside this beautiful husband of mine going, you have no idea. I used to say he was the kite that I held the string to and tried to keep him out of power lines, out of treetops. And God said, let go of the string. But God, you're not strong enough. Let go of the string. So this morning, after I walked through my Shuffle Off to Buffalo playlist, one of the first things I heard was House Fires song. We say yes. No more excuses. Boom. Okay. The next one, to walk through the door. He loves us. How do we forget that? Now, I know some of the stories of some of the musicians that have the really powerful songs that touch our hearts and our souls and our spirits. But some of you don't know some of their stories, and some of you don't know any of my stories. And how they've walked through what they've walked to to come to that place where they can sing these songs. I remember one Sunday in January a few years back where they're singing the song from, uh, well, it was Sarah McMillan's song, but I think Bethel did it. And I couldn't stand and sing how good you were or how you never disappoint me or never let me down. And I sat because I do not lie in church. And I had a little bit of a meltdown, a little bit of a paradoxical struggle with me and the Father and came to the place of, but I will still. I will still. And to hear even some of Sarah's story about that song was in the middle of the night, in the middle of the darkness. And it became a song of declaration, not resignation. You will never let me down. Not just, you're never going to let me down even though you sort of feel like he has. It's God, remember your promises to me. Remember your promises. Then another thing, I walk in to have breakfast in the, in the lobby of our hotel this morning. Anybody born in the 60s in here? Do you remember the song, To Every Season, Turn, Turn? <laughs> there is a season, turn, turn. And then we all thought it was so scriptural because it's Ecclesiastes kind of, sort of. There's the seasons again, right? What season are you in? Do you recognize the season that you're in? You know, when Jake was doing his illustrations, I remember Jason Upton saying, you know, God build, builds valleys while men try to build bridges. But he also reminded us that it's in the valleys that there's lush green grass. That those streams that have forged those valleys go down deep. And that's where you go and you drink and you gather every bit of nourishment that you can while you're in the valley. And yes, you will climb a mountain again. And what I tell my young adult children is you get to go on a journey. You do. We were given the ability to choose. And my prayer even for them is every step that you take after you've ascended a mountaintop and you seem to Sisyphus your way down the mountain again, 
you have another tool for your backpack for the next mountain. There's another song that we sing in church, and it talks about Jesus in the mountain and being able to take. He didn't even have to chase you up a mountain or kick anything down. He's just like, here you go, baby. But we think it's such a struggle, such a chore. So today I wanted to invite you to the table. Now, if you were at my house, we do have one of those beautiful farm tables. And I would prepare a meal for you. I would more than likely have a really good dessert. It might even be Norwegian because those are awesome. And we would sit down. Why do you come to a table? You come to a table to have a discussion, right? A boardroom table. You come to a table to have a meal. And so today I want to have you at my table. And I want you to feel the freedom like you would of a mom in a house to, you know, filter through the things you hear, take what you want, throw away the rest. So we're going to look at 1 Timothy 6-7. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and clothing with these, shall we be content? So I've asked the guys to show just a little snippet because the Lord has given me the ministry, and Kaylee actually gave me a new title for it today, instead of just Jesus in the normal, but the magic in the mundane. And I'll share a little bit more about that after this video. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game. See ya. Hey, what's going on? You guys got weeds? I want everything. We got the wings, we got the jerseys, the room is always set up, it's all good. There's still one more thing I gotta do. Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? Doing well, doing well, great. How you doing? What's going on? Doing, doing good, doing good, man. Trying to stay warm? Yes, sir. Yeah. It's freezing out here, man. I'm trying to stay warm, man. Yeah. You watching the game tonight? Were you guys watching the game? Why not? So I was wondering if you wanted to join me for a Super Bowl party. A Super Bowl party, you wanna really? join? Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah? yes. You guys want to join? We're having yeah. a little Super Bowl party. Hell yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You be down? Yeah. Yeah? yeah, yeah. You down? Yeah. All right, all right, let's do it. Yeah? Yes. Let's do this, all right? Okay, fantastic, man. All right, get you out of the cold, get something to eat. I'm not kidding, man. I'm serious. This is to the rooftop, 2.30? Awesome, guys. After you. You get into the spirit of the football game. I got some, uh, got some jerseys. Got some. All right. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. I don't even know who this young man is, but if he's not Jesus in the flesh, and soon will be. Um, 
Huh. Okay, did anybody not cry? Okay, so all the men didn't cry, whatever. Um, <laughs> Jesus in the normal. Could you imagine being homeless? And someone just, something as simple as a Super Bowl game, you know? Coming in, inviting you in. And I, I love watching them stack their plates with food. Good Lord, that's probably the best meal they've had in a long, long time. <clears throat> so, yeah, Jesus in the normal. We came in this world with nothing. I gave birth to four children. So, when I got pregnant, I had longed to be a mother. Didn't meet Leif till I was 26, got married at 27, had my first at 28. That's not abnormal for this generation. It was a little strange for mine. And, you know, my body started changing, right? You know, stuff happens when you get pregnant. You throw up or you don't. I did. My innie became an outie. Um, I think my bladder was like the soccer ball or something or the handball. I'm not really sure because it was never, never, never the same again. And then the birth. Wow. Yeah. Whew. It's fun. Jesus, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right now. And they talk about, you know, transition, transition my eyeball. Get this baby born. Please. Things were stretched. You know, I felt like sometimes there was a football team trying to catch the ball. How many hands can actually, no, wow, crazy stuff. Yeah. And then they put that baby up against my chest. And not one time out of the four times did I say, you owe me. <laughs> what you did to my body, what you're going to do to me for the next however many years I get to live with you. Not once. And how great our Heavenly Father's love is toward us. Not once did he demand anything from us after our new birth, but love. He loved us so that we could also love him. So what is it to be more like Jesus? Did you know that you were most loved before you ever had anything? You know, God says he knew you even before you were born, before the foundation of the world. You were in his heart, his mind, and his soul. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He knew that you had a purpose and a plan on earth. When I talk about Jesus in the normal, you walk with Jesus, but we're going to start in the Old Testament. There was a woman named Hannah, and if you want to follow along, I'm not sticking to particular verses. I'm just going to hit some highlights. There was a woman named Hannah. Now, she was married to a gentleman who had two wives. You know, in our Western culture, we're like, there's a problem already there. One he loved, the other one not so much. The one he loved was barren. And she was entreating and begging. He's like, am I not enough? And then what can I do to give you a kid? And sometimes as humans, we do look to another human for what only God can provide for us. And with the story of Hannah, she's at the temple and... She's at the altar, and she's entreating the Heavenly Father, and she's praying, and she's just, just poured out. Because in that culture, 
to be barren was cursed. And Eli, presuming that she's drunk, comes over to censure her. You know, and I, I'd like to grab Eli just a little bit. You might should have been checking on your boys. Do, do you know what? Do you know what they're doing? But he censures her, and then he realizes, okay, she was really actually talking to God. <laughs> and then your faith, go, you're going to get what you asked for. And we love this story, and Samuel is born. But do you know what Hannah had to do with Samuel? Take him back to Eli because of the promise, the vow that she made God. How many times do we pray for a promise or a miracle, and when we get it, we have to give it back for a season? I think I would have run to one of those mountains and said, I, I don't think I really meant that part. But Hannah did it. And Samuel was the one who was to anoint the first two kings of Israel. Because of her sacrifice, there was a righteous judge in Israel. So now we're going to move on to the New Testament. We're going to start walking a little bit before Jesus. When I started thinking about this part of our story, it's all our story, we're going to start in Luke. Because at Christmas we, we read through Luke and we run through it to get to the part about baby Jesus. And it's all great and that is the most amazing part. But the first part with Zacharias just cranks my case. I have an active imagination, okay? I believe God loves imagination. Sometimes I get a little crazy. So when I read scripture, at times I really pray that it's the Holy Spirit that's like inspiring my imagination, but sometimes it's probably more my flesh, but still it's kind of fun. So imagine with me Zacharias going into the Holy of Holies, right? He was appointed by lot, which you kind of go, do I want that job? Do I not want that job? Let me see, tie a rope to my ankle, don't wear the wrong underwear, and go in to present before the Lord. And an angel appears and gives this great detailed information about the son that he and his barren wife are going to have. And then dear, dear Zacharias. So, uh, like, uh, how do I know that's true? Number one, you're in the Holy of Holies, Zacharias. <laughs> and this big old angel, not just like one of the little, you know, just, just mm, here we go. Gabriel, he's like, boom, shakalaka, here. Your wife's going to have a baby. She's going to have a baby, and this is going to be cool stuff, and it's going to turn the hearts of the children. And you say, what? Because, you know, Mary hadn't had her thing yet because he didn't know to say, be it as to me as you say. So he questions, and then, you know, the angel says, okay, because you didn't believe, you get to shut up until the baby's born. I told somebody, I think most husbands would wish that it happened to their wives when they were pregnant. But anyway, so we go throughout this process. Unless we be too hard on Zacharias, I got a word from Sean Boltz at our first family gathering in Atlanta. And I tried not to laugh out loud right Jennifer you're gonna write these books and it's gonna be mine you know, JK Rowling and blah and blah and blah and I'm sitting down because I'm already a puddle and, and the water's about to break and I knew what that meant and <laughs> <laughs> and uh I 
tried not to laugh, but there was inside of me. <laughs> Could I have a topic, a chapter, names, titles? Could you give me a time period? Am I going totally fantastical or am I historical? I mean, like, oh, my giddy aunt, what am I supposed to do with that? So we can hear from an angel and still kind of go, hmm. And then fast forward to this past summer, Bob Hazlett and his wife were with us in England. I gave this bit of the vignette in a message I did that morning. They were not present, um, travels and fatigue and everything. And so he gets up that night and he starts to prophesy and he goes, what was your name again? And I went, Jennifer. And inside my head then I said, if you don't know my name, I don't know if you really are a prophet. But... I'm sorry, my name is Leif's wife. <laughs> sorry, you're not supposed to laugh at your own jokes. I think it's funny. So he goes, you are going to be writing books. I stood up, looked at the group, and I went, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. Let it be so, God. Let it be so. But this baby was born, this beautiful John, who we named John the Baptist. And he did just what the angel had predicted. And he grew, and he became a little bit of a crazy guy, you know, out eating bugs and honey. And some of you guys probably think that's cool. Might have had a little CBD oil stuck in there somewhere. I don't know. We don't know. There are so many things in scripture we don't know. Have you ever thought about that? What was actually highlighted and then what was left out? We don't know. But his sweet mama. I, I do lean my heart towards all parents, but I do have a special thing for mamas. Do you think she was alive when her son's ministry really took off? Do you think she knew what was coming when her answer to prayer came? And that little boy. <sighs> was she alive? When her son's head was put on a platter for a lascivious king. But it's all part of the story. And like Jake was sharing, she walked into the furnace. She carried that child. She loved that child. And no matter whether she was alive or not, his end was the same. But he was the messenger of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So now we're getting to where Jesus is on the scene. The stories about Jesus, the little pieces in red and the things that were told about him. Like I said, we still don't know everything. You know, when he hung out with the disciples, did they like play games? Did they, you know... Uh, they wouldn't have had cards, so they didn't play poker, I guess. But, you know, did they do what guys would do when they're hanging out? Have you ever been in a green room and just shut up? That is fun <laughs> to listen to men, preacher men. That is, like, so much fun. And you just pretend like you're reading a book and you're not really there. And, you know, I think the disciples were like that. Right? We get a little bit of the James and John, the Sons of Thunder, and that sort of thing. But we don't get everything. Some of those things I'd really like to know. 
some of the things we only get to imagine, to wonder, to ponder. But Jesus was so flippin' normal that he wasn't put off by humans. So I stole a little bit of this part of my message from Will Hart. He was teaching on it when we were in South Carolina. So we're going to go to Mark 5, and we're going to talk about the man with the unclean spirit. And Will brought out a few things I'm going to share with you, and I will say, and Will said. And then there's some other things that were just fun, all right? So if you go into chapter, Mark chapter 5, and we see right at the very beginning, verse 2, when he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he'd been dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with a chain. So you guys know this story. I'm not, I'm not reading anything that's new information to you. One of the things that I find very interesting, though, <clears throat> when Jesus commanded the spirits to come out of the man, and the pigs were sent over the cliff, and we know that, and Will says something about deviled ham, and I said, no, no, the pigs committed sue. We sighed. I thought, you know, that, that was my piece. But, um, and he goes, you did not. And I said, oh, yeah, I did. Anyway, so after this man was clean and in his right mind, then the people of the village were upset. Did you ever think about it? I used to wonder, did the parents scare their children <laughs> with the demon possessed me? If you don't eat your vegetables, you're going to end up running around the tombs like that naked crazy man. You know? <laughs> Hit your sister one more time and we're sending it to the tombs. Like I said, it's not in scripture. We get to, you know, just kind of wonder, wonder. Hopefully not. Did you ever think about when, when Jake mentioned some of those things we say as Christians? And God love him. He does love my children. He does. He does. He does. I used to say, as they would go to sleep at night, <laughs> blood of Jesus on you, sweet dreams. blood of Jesus on, on, on me, Mom. They never questioned. They were just like, I guess this is just some Jesus thing, and we're going to be okay with it. But, just, you know, I thought I was being a good parent, protecting you with the blood of Jesus, but the actual words that we use sometimes without definition or understanding, right? And we do that in our daily lives. I had a sweet girl at work, and she was just wondering, she's from Thailand, some of the colloquialisms that we use or idioms. And she says, what does it mean when someone says, who hurt you in your past life? And I thought, oh, who said that to you? It's kind of, kind of mean. She's only 25. She's only been in our country eight years. Another little side note, she went to a Christian university as a Buddhist and graduated as a Buddhist. But to explain those things, and we, we get caught up sometimes and we forget Jesus in the normal, that he met people where they were. And when this man was sitting in his right mind, he wanted to follow Jesus, and Jesus said, go and tell them about me. And then the village people, <laughs> the other village people, <laughs> said, why? And, no, sorry. Um, get out of town, Jesus. He had basically you know, exercise the bad person, and they got mad. Now, one of the things Will did bring out, when the pigs went over the mountain, right, what do you think the pig farmers felt? 
<laughs> Snap. There goes our livelihood. Because sometimes when Jesus shows up, things aren't always comfortable. Sometimes, like this little video I wanted you to see about the gentleman who took these men to a Super Bowl party and made them feel human again. Did you catch some of the faces in the crowd? I even wondered the little girl on the elevator. She's just kind of like, because, you know, they probably didn't smell so good. They hadn't been to Bath and Body that week. And they got to go and be part of humanity again because we don't see them. We ignore them. We walk past them. Jesus saw everyone he came in contact with. But I love that story. And in one encounter with Jesus, this man became an evangelist. He became someone who would tell about the Son of God. He didn't even go to seminary because he had one encounter with Jesus Christ. Another story that I love in Mark 5. We're going to move down just a little bit. The woman with the issue of blood. Here's a woman who had spent 12 years trying to get healed. I know I can be a little open at times, but it is not fun. Okay? We're just going to leave it right there. It's not fun. But for 12 years. And according to Levitical law, she was unclean. Anything she touched was unclean. Anything she came in contact with, any human. And again, I wonder... Were there men who would take advantage? Because I can only imagine how lonely she would be. Were there women who wouldn't invite her to tea parties and coffee in the afternoon? Because, you know, if we invite her over, we got to burn the chair. You know, can't, can't use it anymore. And she'd heard about a man named Jesus. And I like to say without GPS. How did that happen? Because people were telling the stories. Are you telling the stories? Are you telling the stories of the times that you've been able to come in contact with Jesus? Maybe sometimes inside the form of another human. Are you repeating those stories? But she'd heard about this man named Jesus. She'd already spent all of her money. She's like, I got nothing else to lose. And so she finds him. She busts through the crowd. Now, I grew up with brothers. So I'd like to think she threw a few elbows, you know. Because there were always crowds around Jesus, even for that to be happening in a time when there was no television or radio. So I'm thinking she threw a few elbows. She finally gets to Jesus. She reaches out, just touches the hem of his garment, and boom, she felt her healing. And then she did what we'd like to do. She's just going to kind of sneak away. Don't look at me. Don't make a big deal about it. And then the voice of the Savior, who touched me? And the boys that he hanged with, well, there's so many people. How do we know who touched you? Did you see who touched him? I didn't see who touched me. Did you see who touched me? I know somebody touched me. And I'm sure she fell on her face before him and went through her whole story because we as women very often like to do that, especially me. Well, I had to go to this, and then I went to this, and they just took my money, and they ripped me off, and they screwed me over, and they did this, and that man, oh, and this one, this, and this one, this. And you know what he said to her? Daughter, go. Your faith has made you whole. And even in the words calling her daughter, family. Those are family terms. It wasn't woman. 
Any of you ever heard that by your man? No. Okay. Go back to the garden for a minute, right? The woman <laughs> that you gave me is it it her fault. And I used to think, oh, I would never have eaten the apple. I would have made a flipping apple pie. I would have just served it up, made some ice cream, you know. Here, this is really good, babe. Oh, I found some cinnamon growing over in the south pasture. It's so yum, yum. A little snake ain't got, I got my snake boots on today, you know. Did you notice snake boots? All right. But one of the things that did enter into the garden with sin was fear. And one of the things that I believe happened in that moment in time was man was nervous for the rest of eternity that the woman was always going to screw him over, right? And the woman, that she might not ever be protected again. Because she'd made a mistake. And if you follow history and culture, even some of the stories I've shared, where women weren't anything but procreators, where at times in history they were elevated to certain degrees, but for the most part, we're going to keep you down, shut you up, keep you quiet, keep you pretty. Even in the church, right? We've, we've had this struggle. But God's original intent in the Garden of Eden was for man and woman to work together. That it didn't matter who picked the fruit, they both got to eat. It didn't matter who, who tilled and who toiled, they both did it together. That was God's original intent. And it's only as sin entered that there became this competition thing, this control thing, so women would use manipulation very often to control their men. How do you think John the Baptist's head got on a freaking platter? We've always had God-given strengths. Male, female. There was original purpose and intent. There is a strength in a man that a woman does not have, and there is a strength in a woman that a man does not have. But it's together, the co-laboring. One of the coolest stories when I was younger and in my earlier denominational days, I used to have these really goofy questions like, you know, was Deborah under authority? You know, the judge, Deborah, in the Old Testament, right? Did she, did she you know, obey her husband? Like, I would read these stories through a lens that gave women less authority and power. And one of the most beautiful things was when the commander of the armies came to her and said, do we go to battle or not? And she said, yes, but you need to know that the honor will go to a woman. He said, I don't care. I just want to win. And I think as we are connecting hearts and becoming family, it is going to be fathers and mothers. It is going to be sons and daughters seeing healthy fathers and mothers and healthy grandparents. It is going to be where my children can walk into a room and know that they have healthy cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, people that aren't connected by natural blood but connected by the blood of Christ. Where it does take a village, and sometimes that village isn't in your actual location 
Sometimes your village spans the entire universe. Where I know my children have access to fathers and mothers that would take them in, even if they were fighting with me. And they would love them and they would nurture them and they would help them walk through whatever they were walking through at that particular time. That is a beautiful thing. To know that there are mothers out there that can encourage my daughters in a way that maybe I was not able to. I, I gave birth to people thinking they were going to be me. The good little girl who didn't want to get in trouble, who wanted to please her daddy, who wanted to please God, who wanted the A+, plus all the time. Like, if I don't do it, and that little piece of perfectionism that takes, oh, Jake just zings me so many flipping times. He talked about Martha and Mary, and he's like, don't you Marthas come up afterwards and talk to me about anything. And I'm sitting here, I'm going to Martha you right out that door. <laughs> you go into a green room with no water, no nuts, and no fruit, and tell me you don't want Marthas around, you know? My daughter goes, calm down, mom, calm down. I will honestly admit I was in the throes of menopause at that time, but so what? All of those seasons in our life have purpose. <laughs> ha! Don't always get it at the time, but yes, they have purpose. But what he did was remind me and get me to the place where Martha's greatest struggle was not that she had served, but that she compared herself to her flipping sister. Did you know comparison kills creativity? <gasps> did you know that one just went... Because that's what I did. Even the first word that I got, I can't write like J.K. Rowling, even though I don't really like her books, and that's okay if you do, and don't judge me afterwards. I don't judge you if you read them. I don't judge you if you read... I just think you were wrong, but that's okay. But I, I'm going, there's no way I can be like that. And then these reminders. No, you're not supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be you. Where Christy comes and sits beside me yesterday. And you guys think I have anything together? Yesterday. <laughs> 24 hours ago. I'm going, I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. I can't do this. This, this, that, this. The other, this, that. And a few others in between. And then you get these sweet reminders of people who love Jesus that say, be you. My husband's been saying it for years, but why do sometimes we just put those little earmuffs on when it's somebody that's really close to us? It can be truth, but you just kind of filter it through whatever you want to filter it through instead of understanding that God is speaking truth to you, specifically to you in this room, to you. Back to Jesus in the normal. The last one I wanted to end up with is the beautiful story, which is horrible. <laughs> the woman caught in adultery. And when you read this story through, Jesus was in the temple teaching, and people were trying to trick him and catch him. And they really just wanted to prove something. They just wanted to be mean to him. Like, seriously. So they bring this woman caught in the very act of adultery. That's what the scripture tells us. I'm like, what, did they have binoculars? Were some of them frequent flyer points? Knew exactly where, when, why, how? Like, think about it. They caught her in the very act. 
So there was some plan already going on way before she ever got into the temple. And that troubling peace. Was she by herself? She was caught in the very act of adultery with air. Because <laughs> that's all that walked in with her was air. And dude gets a pass. You know, no big deal. When Mike talked about this weekend being a weekend of purification. It's for all of us. It's not male or female. But she's thrown at the feet of Jesus. And this past Sunday, sweet Jen Stockman shared this story in church. And when she was thrown at the feet of Jesus, can you imagine the humiliation and shame that she felt? I, I, I don't believe that she thoroughly enjoyed her job, okay? I, I, I do know that there's some people that in a painful, possible, non-understanding of who they are would enjoy that career, but I don't know that she would have enjoyed that particular aspect of her life, and neither do I believe she would have enjoyed being thrown in front of men, because if she was caught in the very act, she probably wasn't very fully clothed, which was very much in demand for the women in that culture. So the shame, and I, I, just another little sidebar, I used to tell my kids, shame on you, it's a good southern thing, shame on you, shame on you, why'd you do that? You know you're better than that. And I had to repent. Did you know that God never puts shame on you? Never. That's another thing I'm really bad about. I don't like hearing never and always because it's rarely ever true, right? You hear that saying? You can say that about that. God will never put shame on you. But she was feeling it because men had put it on her. And so Jesus just begins to do the dust, the writing in the dust. It would be kind of cool if it was making diamonds because he's so cool and he's like riding in the dust and it just made diamonds on the ground. But I don't think that happened either. But I'd like to think it kind of did. So he's just scribbling in the dirt and, you know, and these men are like, she's got to be stoned. And we know the story. But this is something Jen Stockman brought out that I hadn't even thought about. When he said, get up, go, and send no more. She said, do you think there was like, and see me in five years and we'll check out and see if you're still holding up to, you know, your end of the bargain, go and send no more. And, uh, you know, and oh, might want to check in for a Bible study or two. But she said, the power of the words of Jesus Christ were enough that she could rise from that place in the dust and go and send no more. And like Jen mentioned, those words came from a place this man who spoke those words was going to die on the cross for her very sin so he stood in authority as he told her go and sin no more I have covered you and I will cover you he knew that her adultery was even part of the reason that he was on the planet and going to die on the cross that it was the spoken word of God that created universes in eternity's past. It wasn't, let me fashion this out of clay like he did with humans. He spoke, and it happened. And we forget the power of his words and ours. And as you have lined up with your identity in Jesus Christ, his words become your words. 
And what you speak carries weight and power. If you condemn them, I also, God, will condemn them. Why do we ever want that for anyone? When you have recognized in yourself the grace that has come upon your own life, how could you ever turn to someone else and condemn them for struggling in their sin? And this woman stood up. Who knows got close to her first and covered her up and sent her on her way. But she was able to walk out in freedom because Jesus spoke it. Boom. Drop the microphone. That's it. So who are you going to be in your day-to-day? When people see you in the grocery store, when they see you, you know, I think I did it this last year. I love people that clean toilets. I do. Because I also clean toilets. If you come to my house, you will sit on a clean toilet. If you're there long enough to sit on a toilet or to stand in front of one. Excuse me, gentlemen. Okay, this is really bad. No, I better not do that. (laughs) There are new things for gentlemen, and it's got like waterfalls. (laughs) And the only reason I know that is because y'all do multi-sex bathrooms in Colorado. So I was like, oh, I don't need that one. I need this one over here. Thank you very much. But it was like waterfall. It's activated by motion. I'm like, y'all just wasted water. I wasn't using that one. I'm going to go over here. I just thought it was really cool. Back on track. Here we go. Hmm. I love a clean toilet. Do you know how you clean a toilet? You get in there with your little scrubby brush and your gloves or however you're going to do it. Get under the rim, make it all nice and clean, and clean the seat. If you're not cleaning the seat, you're not doing it properly. But I love the people. When you go to the restrooms here in church, do you stop and thank anybody that's cleaned a restroom or that you see somebody cleaning a restroom? Tell them thank you. Thank you for that clean restroom. They will fall on the floor. What? You said thank you for the, oh, you're, you're, you're welcome. And then they go off going, they saw value in what I do. Wow. Those invisibles. I have a little Mexican friend at work, and she and I have decided we are the invisibles. Did you know that when you're invisible, people don't see you? And you get to do really cool stuff because they can't see you. So you do it as unto the Lord and you see them in in their, where they are. That's what Jesus did. He broke so many rules. Spoke to women he wasn't related to. Spoke to a woman who, you know, had a life that wasn't pretty clean. And it didn't make him dirty. But man, what it did for the people he came in contact with. So, I land planes rapidly. Like, I don't look for lights. I don't look, I just, boom, boom. And today, we're going to land the plane in a really simple way. If you don't mind, I'd like you to stand, please. In this song, I was thinking about a few days ago, and uh, we are going to do it together. And as I become a puddle, I hope you do too. So, 
this baby girl of mine is going to lead us. And I want you to sing with us, though. This is not a solo performance. This is please join in and see if you feel the impact of these words. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Me. I was about to say, I mean, they could probably, like, get the lyrics ready, a little something in their heart. Um, all right. Yeah, I love it because whenever she shared this with me, she's like, yeah, I just think it's good to remind everyone the simplicity of what it is that we get to just be loved by Jesus and then we get to love and it's just that simple. So that's part of the reason we're doing this song. All right. So I hope you know the words. If not, ask your neighbor. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so.